away $32 billion in investment funds, and then when the feds find you, just shrug your shoulders and say, whoopsie-daisy, you're listening to Polygonometry. This is a family podcast where when I release episodes, we talk and sit down with a member of my absolutely gargantuan family that almost equates to $32 billion, uh, and we have a conversation about what it's like to uh, kind of just be like, well, we didn't mean to. Hey, what's up, guys? Uh, babe, dudes, dude babes and babe dudes. Uh, it's me. I'm alive. I promise. Uh, things have been absolutely turbulent, to say the least, uh, on my end of things, which has been the reason for the hiatus. But I'm glad to be back online and kind of doing things again. It's really good to get, you know, kind of refreshed. And I honestly think that seeing the sunshine with this fall spring, thanks a lot, Punxsutawney Phil, to kind of wake things back up for me and everything else. But I'm so glad that if you are listening, I'm just, I just appreciate it. So we're going to keep rolling right along. This episode is just a continuation of my Uncle Jared's episodes. Uh, we're going to get back into it. And like I said uh, in the intro for the last one with him, it, this was recorded a while ago. Anyway, guys, I'm so glad that you're here listening with me. Um, and I appreciate every single one of you. Let's get into it. A continuation of the great episode that I have with my mom's little brother, Jared. Ligonometry. Once you get three-toed peat tamped in just right and lit, you, you can get like this nice medium burn on it, and then you can just like lightly puff on it for a while, and it's just wonderful. I think I still just need practice. Okay. Okay. So, All right. um, mm-hmm. that's delicious. It is. It just tastes so good. That's great. Yeah, it's really relaxing. Okay, so. Um, pre-beer, post-beer grandpa. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's been referenced a few times. It's been in the orbit of our conversation. Yes. Um, what do you mean by pre-beer, post-beer okay, grandpa? Okay, so as I've, as I've said previously, um, growing up with dad, dad's a pretty rough dude. And he even, I mean, he admits he, he was pretty rough on us kids. He's, he was a hard, strict dad. Yeah. And that's okay. You know, that's just the way he was. But what that did is early on in life, as I've talked about, like with the food stuff and things like that, um, dad and I had a really rough, I had a really rough relationship with dad for most of my younger childhood and into my teenage years. Yeah. <clears throat> um, to the points where I didn't want to talk to him. I didn't like him, blah, blah, blah. Most father-son relationships have these moments, right? So yeah. that's nothing new there. Yeah. Um, but I remember we we had had, like, when I was 17, we tried doing this father-son trip where him and I went to Washington. We went camping, and that fell flat, didn't work. It was still really strained and strenuous. Yeah. So 16, I leave the group. I'm floating kind of out there doing things, whatever. I started drinking about 19 or so. So I was familiar with beer. About that time, though, was when dad was on the outs of the group. Okay. Right? So now dad's getting ready to leave the group. Mm-hmm. So I led the way, you know. Yeah. Peer pressure, families following, whatever, yada, yada, yada. 
one night and things are starting to get a little better with dad. Like we're talking a little more, you know, we had come to an agreement that we just won't ever talk religion and we're good. So we, we had that boundary. We said, so a it sounded like that. that was like a, a very contentious part then. Mm-hmm. If you were like, religion it always was, yeah. If you, if you mutually decided, okay, we shouldn't be talking about yes, this, dude, yeah. that must mean that it was, okay. Yes, gotcha. it was. So we'd had that. So things were doing pretty good. You know, not great, but they were pretty good. And then one night I come home, I was 21 and, uh, I, I was, I was a rager at that point. I was partying a lot. I was drinking a lot. I was having a good time. It was a fun, fun, fun time in my life. But I remember I was coming home. Mom was gone. This is really important. Okay. Cause mom would have strung dad by his heels had she known. Cause mom was still very much of don't drink. You know, she was still very much on the word of wisdom and all that kind of stuff. So I come home, dad's home. My bedroom was upstairs. I still live in a home, leather jacket, leather hat, big old mustache down on my collarbones. You got married in that mustache, didn't you? Yes, I did. Oh my God. Yes, I did. The handlebar went down to your collarbones. It down to my collarbones. My, 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 my Fu Manchu. I was Dude, the Fu Manchu man. That's awesome. That's you know? so cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, I'm getting uh, there. <laughs> yeah, slowly but surely. <laughs> So I walk upstairs and dad's sitting in the TV room. We had, we had the, one of the rooms with the bedrooms, we turned into a TV room. Yeah. Dad's sitting in there in his recliner and, uh, I go walking past into my bedroom. I throw my coat and he's like, son, come here, come here. Dad wants to talk to me. Okay. Walk around. He's sit down, sit down. So I sit down where my mom typically would sit. He reaches behind the lazy boy and he pulls out a tall boy, 16 ounce tall boy. He pulls out two. Hands me one. You're 20? I'm 21. Oh, that's right. Okay. I'm 21 Sorry. at the time. Sorry. Yep. Yep. He pulls out two tall boys, hands me one. Don't tell your mom, son. I was like, Dad, when are you drinking again? He's like, first one, son. Just, just felt like I needed a beer tonight. Fuck yeah. I'm like, hell yeah, having a beer with pops. Boom, like, dude. It was like, that was like that moment for me. Yeah. It was like, yeah. Pretty rough growing up and I was still trying I wanted to have a good relationship with my dad but I was having a hard time finding that relationship with my dad and dad being the man that he is because he's a pretty insightful dude yeah he's like, I'm gonna have a beer with my son and he bought two tall boys I think they were just Bud Light tall boys and he knew that it would mean a lot to you and I'm, that's what I'm he was doing. sure he did yeah because he grabbed that beer out and I think and I think dad just wanted to just get rid of I personally believe dad was just like so much fucking shit I brought into this world. I just want to throw it all away and just have a beer with my son. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Just having a simple beer with your son's a pretty amazing experience. I don't know if you've had that with your dad at all, but I know I mean, for yeah, me. Our variation of it for sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. For me, that was like, I don't know if there's anything better my dad could have done, honestly, for us to, to mend the past and for me to be able to put like, the final nail on the coffin of the past and just move forward. Yeah. That was literally the, the, the best thing my dad could have done. So awesome sat, that he was able to understand that for you. Yeah. I sat down or whether he did or not. I don't know if he did or not. Okay. Maybe he did subconsciously. Sure. Sure. That's There's how things manifest. Yeah, totally. And so I sat down, I enjoyed a beer with my pops. And from that day forward, I don't have a single bad memory with my dad. Wow. Doesn't mean I haven't had rough times with my dad. That's good to articulate. I don't hold any bad memories with my dad. Yeah. Rough times are rough times. We're always going to have until the day we die. Yep. Pre-beer dad, 
I tended to, I tended to fixate on all the bad stuff and I didn't fixate enough on the good stuff. That's my, that's, that's my responsibility around all that. I held, I tended to fixate on the negative way more. That moment for me was really pivotal for our relationship because I realized that, oh, hold on. I've been the, I've been the asshole too. Not just him. I've been the asshole. I haven't let go of the bad stuff either. That night I was like, life's too fucking short, man. Life is too fucking short to hold on to the bad shit. I don't have a single bad memory from dad from then on. That is so amazing. That I hold on to. We've had rough times, sure. Sure, but it's at that point you're saying it's water off the duck's back. Just let it go. Yeah. Let it go, man. Well, it's just it, let it go. It's life short. too fucking short, man. I, I think that, I mean, and that's a, and if there's anything more with that that you want to articulate, I'm more than happy to hear it. But something that, I, the, the theme that I'm hearing with it is the thing that you were talking about uh, with me when you guys were in Montana last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, cultivate, cultivating... Apathy. Hel- healthy apathy. Yes. And that's a little bit of a apathetic gardens, but in the healthy ways. Yes. So yes. cultivating healthy apathy. What do yes. you mean by that? I am a huge fan of apathy. So let's clarify. Let's yes. go down the apathy road. Let's do it. Why? Cause I don't give a fuck. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> we live in a culture nowadays where everything seems to matter to the nth degree. Every fucking feeling matters. Everything matters. No, it doesn't. Yeah. Nothing fucking matters. (laughs) We are getting way too fucking serious about what is important and what isn't important. Yeah. Um, So do I need to care about human rights? Yes. Yeah. But do I need to obsess about everybody's rights? No. What I need to worry about are the rights that are going to change my immediacy, my immediate surroundings first yeah. that's got to change before I can change the world yeah so I can't care that much about the world right I only want to care about the good stuff yeah stop caring about the bad stuff start caring about the good stuff mm-hmm. you know um, I just don't care about so much because I just don't see how it matters yeah it just doesn't matter mm-hmm. you know I don't care if if that guy is bitching and moaning about the vaccine and that guy's bitching and moaning about his right to not wear a seatbelt. I don't care. Doesn't matter to me. Fuck them. <laughs> yeah. Fuck them. They can go bitch all they want. It doesn't I, matter to have me. Have you read uh, Mark Manson's book, uh, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck? No. <laughs> You'd love it, Jared. Oh, I need to read it. Yeah. It sounds like my kind of book. It's your kind of book. Yeah. Yeah. So I think really what it comes down to, it's cultivating apathy, but it's healthy apathy. Like you are... You're prioritize. You are. You're pri- You're managing your expectations accordingly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, in regards to the amount of energy that you can have in the world, and I think that's actually something that can. And I, for some reason, I am like I said with everything, I am more than willing to be wrong about this. But my knowledge of this issue is this: it's no secret that people are more depressed. Mm-hmm. There's no secret oh, no that doubt. people are more anxious. No doubt. And stress levels are through the roof. Like, you know, we're there's a reason we're overstimulated. I mean, and this is a huge rabbit hole that opens a Pandora's box of a conversation for sure. Mm-hmm. But in regards to what you're talking about with apathy, yeah, I am of the very strong opinion that it is your responsibility to manage your own emotions. Yes, 100%. Uh, it is not my job to manage them for you. If you would yeah. like help 
on how to do that. Sure. I am here for you in yep. every sense of the word. Yep. That's literally my job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I, and, and that's something that I'm, you know, that you teach if, you know, that I do with my, you know, the patients that I see is like, and by the way, I'm not a certified yeah. mental health counselor. I work with an agency affiliate, affiliated stuff. So I am qualified within the state. I, I'm legal basically to yeah. do what I do. And I, I'm not taking full on one-on-one sessions cause that's not within my licensure. Mm-hmm. But um, I basically operate underneath a therapist. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a baby therapist. Kind of like what you did out in the woods. Yeah, same what thing. We, what we both did out in the yeah, woods. Exactly. So um, so that that's something that we, or at least I have made the effort to do with them is like, hey guys, listen, I'm not denying that what you're going through is hard. Yeah. That is not what I'm saying. Also, keep in mind that the fact that I haven't got you your carrot sticks yet does not mean that you get to treat other people bad because you're frustrated with me yeah. or that you're frustrated with yourself yeah. or whatever the emotion is. I don't care. Mm-hmm. I don't care what the emotion is, but that also doesn't mean that I don't care about your emotions. Yeah. And that's something that's really hard for people to understand and delineate because they, they get so attached to like someone comes to you, right? And I'm, I am confident that you've done this multiple times in your life, whether it was in your marriage, kids, sons, nephews. <laughs> um, but like, Someone comes to you with something and they're like wanting to talk to you about it, mm-hmm. but you got some other shit going on and you're like, Hey, look, I would love to do. Yeah. Can't right now. Sorry. And then those people can then interpret that as like, well, Jared doesn't give a fuck about me. He this is bullshit. Me. Like he hates me. He mm-hmm. doesn't care. He's, you know, he's a, he's this dead eyed asshole yeah. or whatever. Right. But I don't see that as you not caring about them. Yeah. It's just, Hey, I don't have stuff in my cup to put in your cup. Yeah. Well, and there's a whole thing of your opinion of me is none of my fucking business. Yeah. I don't get That's up. so fucking hard. <laughs> That's so hard for I, people. So I have been cultivating that for a number of years now uh-huh. because till the day I die, I will be cultivating that because yeah. we always care about at least what something, some, somebody else thinks of, we will, it's human nature. We can't get away from it. But by God, I'm going to do my best to not give a fuck what any human being thinks about me. That <laughs> includes my kids and my wife. Yeah. Because if they can't really love me for really how I truly am, they probably ought to not be around me. That's a tough thing to say, but I think it's I true. It's a really hard thing to say. It really is. But you know, what? I expect no less from them as well. Elijah sitting here shouldn't yeah. give a fuck what I think about him. He's 18. Yeah. He's learning life. He's experiencing life. He needs to have the freedom and the ability to find himself, you know, without judgment from me. What I'm here for as his dad is to just help coach him through the rough times. Yeah. And give him some sponsor. He's going to fuck up. Hell, I fuck up daily. Yeah. Well, we're human. Yeah. I can't get mad at him for fucking up. I fuck up all the time. What I can do, though. Because because of my life experience, say wow, you fucked up that one pretty good. Mm-hmm. Okay, do you want some help? Let's figure it out. Yeah, let's do it together. Let's do it together. Yeah, you know, maybe he's no doubt I got it. Okay, I'm yeah, here. you know, I'm, but I'm not going to judge against him. You know, whatever he wants to do, do yeah. it. It's not my place. He shouldn't have to worry about me judging him. Yeah, and I don't. No, he doesn't. Not really. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. He, he sh- I, I don't ever want any of my boys to be scared on what I'm going to think of them. 
they need to have full freedom. That's that apathy. Yep. They need to not care about what I think of them. And that's a huge piece as a parent for me is to be able to allow that space for my kids to fully be able to experience life on their terms, but with a really kick-ass coach standing behind them that if they do fall and they need a hand, I, I get the first one out for them. Yeah. But they can fully fall. They can, they can trip, stumble, get beat up, get bruised. And I'm rooting for them the whole way. It's the idea of like leaving your boots in the living room for the kids to trip over them mm -hmm. as a father. Yeah. And that's like a, a thing. Uh -huh. Yeah. Um, that's really, that, that idea is really, it's, it's tough. And I think that's a good segue. Um, and we'll get to your food story in a second. Yeah. Um, but I think that idea is interesting in regards to, um, oh, I just had it. Oh my God. Talking about apathy. Oh, your uh, how you are able to quit smoking. <laughs> hate speech. Hate speech. Yes. Your hate speech. Your internal hate speech. Yes. Uh, and I know that's kind of a little bit of a harsh buzzword to call it, but I I, I no, wanted it, to. It I is though. It is that. Yeah. I want. So go ahead. Explain. Okay. It. So okay. So backstory. Um. Oh boy. Okay. This is gonna be a fun one. Hang on for the ride, people. You're going to love how this whole podcast goes. <laughs> I knew I was going to smoke when I was five years old. Five. Dude, I had a dream, like a daydream of me wearing a leather jacket smoking cigarettes when I was five. I'm pretty sure that's why I was the way I was looking back. Cause I remember being like five or six and like, wow, that'd be so cool wearing a leather jacket, Taking smoking a, puff. a cigarette. You know, you know, there is something just really just cool about it. There is, you know. Yeah, that's yeah. what I've always said. Like, pictures of Kurt Cobain are cool. Once yeah. he's smoking a cigarette, it's way cooler. Oh, like, yeah. There's something about it. That's yeah. Weird. Totally is. Yeah. And so, I honestly, I think that's why. Was it premonition? Could be. Or is because I just manifested what I thought was cool as a child. Either way, yeah. I started smoking not too early. I started smoking a pipe at 18, but I didn't actually officially start smoking till 19. Okay. I was able to hold off that long. Okay. Um, and by the way, I've quit smoking cigarettes, but I do smoke a pipe as we're enjoying now. Yeah, because we are we are not inhaling because nope. that's not how you smoke a pipe. Nope. So I smoked my first cigarette at nineteen uh, in a Denny's restaurant, seventy two hundred South Denny's, where we'd all hang out all night. It was a great place to hang out back yeah. then. Yeah. But this would have been ninety. 93. Okay. I smoked my first cigarette and I was completely hooked. And within a month, I was smoking a pack a day. Within a month? Within a month. It's a pack a day in a month. Hook, line, and sinker, baby. Dude, I, you're in. I, nicotine is my drug of choice. 100%. If I had to pick one drug for the rest of my life and I wouldn't die from it, I would smoke a pack a day till the day I died. I love smoking. Okay. Smoking doesn't allow you to live a very long, healthy life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so I was able to quit. So I started smoking at 19 and I smoked straight until you were born. Wasn't so, it Arkin's birth? No, 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 no. I tried when Arkin was born, but I was never able to fully quit. I quit when you were just like, just before you were born, I quit. So 2003. So from 93 to 2003, I smoked. And, and in my heyday, when I was partying, I was smoking three packs a day. 
I was drinking like five fifths of whiskey a week and drinking and smoking three to four packs a day. Holy shit, so, Jared. That was the nineties, baby. <laughs> we'll get into that another time. <laughs> okay. But uh so I was quit for a few years. We'll go there after food. We'll go there after food. So so I, I quit in two thousand three and then I was able to stay quit until two thousand nine. And then six I got, years. Six years I was quit. And then I got busted up. I was laid up for like six months on the couch. I had a bunch of herniated discs in my neck and bone spurs, all that kind of stuff. So as I'm laid up on the couch, my buddies would come over because I had a couple other buddies that were in between jobs and they were smokers. And I, I let me bum a cigarette off you. And within a couple months, laid up on the couch, I was right back to smoking a pack or two a day again, like hook, line, and sinker. Yeah. Um, and I did that from 2009 until... Uh, two and a half years ago. So 2018? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think I remember actually seeing you smoke for the first time with... When you... With Matt. Yeah, um, with from Matt porch. right out there. That was yeah. the first time you would remember... I just remember it a big black cigarette, yeah. I smoked cloves. Cloves. Clove cigarette. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Damn. Yeah. And I, I remember I was mad because I never liked yeah. people smoking. Yeah. You yeah. still don't like smoking, which is good. Be that way. But even... <laughs> Even with this stuff, though, is this this stuff? But it's like the cigarette stuff yeah, is cigarettes just. Cigarettes are, I mean, nasty. they're they're deadly. So yeah, that they're too. Nasty. I mean, that yep. too. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so and then yeah, well, two and a half years ago, I finally quit smoking. Yeah. Here's the process. So I had tried quitting smoking though for a lot because I smoke a lot. I mean, I love to smoke, and I was starting to feel the effects of it. And I was like, man, I you know I want to be around for my boys as long as I can. Yeah. Like, I want to be healthy. I like being in shape. I like being healthy. Yeah. You know, and that wasn't facilitating that at all. So I had tried, you know, the patch that didn't work. I tried the gum that didn't work. I tried, you know, like affirmations and being all like happy and like that didn't work. I tried like shaman meditation and journeying and like spirit animal stuff because hey, I've done that. Maybe that'll, that didn't do shit. You know, none of that stuff was working for me. And I was like, fuck it. Everybody says you can't do neuro-linguistic programming, NLP. It needs to be all positive reinforcement, that the body doesn't react to negative reinforcement. Your subconscious like, gets damaged. Exactly. Okay. I'm like, fuck it. I'm done with this shit. And I sat down in my truck, and I'd pull out a cigarette on my, like, my way to work in the morning, pour my cup of coffee, get in my truck, start driving, grab my first cigarette of the day, and I'd pull the cigarette out, and I was like... I fucking hate this habit this is disgusting and then i'd smoke my cigarette 10 minutes later i light up my second cigarette of the morning after i put that one out because mm -hmm. i usually have two on my way to work and and then i'd pull out my second cigarette fucking disgusting habit i hate this habit i'd smoke and you said this out loud out loud verbally out loud if i was around other people i'd pull out a cigarette in my mind fucking disgusting habit i'd think that and then i smoke my cigarette right Blatantly lying to myself. Oh, because you said, of course, you would do it all day, every day if you could. All day, every day. I still would if I knew it wouldn't kill me. Yeah. But I had to lie to myself. The only way to make it work was I had to make it the bad thing. Like it had to be a horrible, horrible bad thing. Okay. It took me about six months every time I'd light up a cigarette. Fucking disgusting habit. I hate this habit. Six months of just telling, just not. But over the course of that six months, I went from smoking. A pack and a half a day to a pack a day to three quarters of a pack a day because I'd be like, ah, it's disgusting. Put the cigarette back, not smoke it that one time. Yeah. Half a pack a day. Huh. Get in my truck one morning, 
grab my cup of coffee, get in my truck, heading down to work for the day, light up my first cigarette, crack the window, fucking disgusting habit. Flicked it out the window, full cigarette, just that I took one drag off it, flicked it out the window two and a half years ago. I haven't even craved a cigarette since. No way. Not even. You haven't one. nicked once. No. At all. Ever. Nothing. 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 I had, I had, the first day, obviously, I was like, little itchy shoulders, you know. Like, I mean, but I no, really like, use one. Yeah, yeah. like, oh, that could be kind of a ah, fucking disgusting habit. But that's all. And that would be kind of a nice, ah, fucking disgusting habit. And within two days, it was like, Psh. But what was weird, though, is then my body was so homeostasis, right? The body doesn't want to change. It likes yeah. to be where it's at. Yeah. So my body was reactive, but my mind was like, no, you're good. Yeah. But my body, like, my vision would go, like, twitchy. You were you know? in withdrawals. Yeah, I was, I was in full-on withdrawals. Yeah. Full-on physical withdrawals. For but you mentally, though, you were fine. But mentally, I was like, no, I'm good. But my body was screaming for, like, a month. My body was screaming. But my brain was like, no, you're totally good, dude. Damn, and and it gave me the fortitude because when I would when my when my body would go, you need a cigarette. My brain would go, that's a fucking disgusting habit. Fucking ew, gross, dude. Yeah, yeah, yep. Damn. And then about and then about six months ago, because um, I because I do enjoy there there's a there's a something about so nicotine absorbed through the cheek membrane stuff isn't really all that bad. People will smoke a pipe till the day they die at 105. Yeah. Because I do enjoy there's there's a there's an experiential thing around tobacco for me that I do enjoy. And okay, so what is that? It's an oral fixation. I have an oral fixation. There's okay. there's the, the pipe stem going in. You you bring in the smoke into the cheeks. There's that kind of formaldehyde smoky flavor with the vanilla and the others from the pipe tobacco. And then you just exhale it. No, you don't inhale it into your lungs, bring it in, you just kinda let it float in the mouth. You a taste bit. it. You taste it, you let it out. There's like that heavy feel in the air from the smoke. Yeah. You know, and I love good bourbon. And I tell you, you have a good pipe with a bourbon and it's just like, this is honestly like really, it's, it's, it's just amazing. really nice. Yeah. And I, so, I feel just like, man, this is just like really. Yeah. And yeah, and you, you can just have like a little moment for an hour or two. And I don't smoke it every day. I don't yeah. smoke a pipe every day. Maybe I haven't. In fact, this is the first time I smoked a pipe in two weeks. Okay. Maybe once a week, once every other week. I'll, I'll just, ah, I just want a good pipe or a cigar. You know, yeah. I have a cigar or a pipe. I'll relax. It's great. I, I, I don't have any desire to smoke cigarettes again ever because that was my fear because I love nicotine so much. My fear was if I start smoking a pipe, am I going to smoke a cigarette? And my lovely wife, Elizabeth, she's like, no, nah, you'll be fine. You know, Elizabeth's like, no, Jared, you're, you're good. I think you can do it. I have faith in you. You can, you can do it. You'll be yeah, fine. Yeah, you know, she, you, yeah. You know, she's, yeah. she's quit smoking too. She's working on it. Yeah. But she's fully supportive. She's like, nah, you'll be fine. And so that's nice to know that somebody has the confidence. Like, no, you can do that. And yeah, yeah. I can enjoy a pipe or not. That's fine. Sure. Way. So why do you think that that worked? Why do you think the, the quote unquote hate speech because the human Work. condition requires negative reinforcement. Okay. We're, we can't expect to live in this whole world with nothing but perfect, positive, everything, and expect to function. Yeah. The only reason why we get better is because bad shit happens to us. And that, that definition of bad is, is varied across whatever it is, situation. It is completely up to that individual to decide what bad shit is. Yeah. My bad shit was cigarettes. Not smoking because a pipe is fine. 
Cigarettes was my bad shit. I needed to make something worse out of it. It wasn't a bad enough enemy for me. It wasn't bad enough for you to ditch. Yeah. Death, death wasn't, a, wasn't a bad enough. Or getting uh, lung cancer or none anything of that. Because like that. that was too far out, right? It wasn't immediate yeah. enough. Yeah. It, it needed to be more immediate for me. It had to be a fucking disgusting habit. Gross, nasty, It just ew. had to be gross, nasty, ew. And I just had to lie to myself every day. This is gross, nasty, ew. Who the fuck would do this shit? Fucking disgusting. You Why bu- the fuck do I have to stop and walk into the convenience store and spend six bucks on a pack? Yeah. God, I'm wasting so much fucking money. Any anything like that, any negative spin I could put on smoking, I would say it on cigarettes. On cigarettes. Okay. Yeah. So, so yeah. So let me be very clear. Cigarettes. Yes. Okay. So because the vape, I had no desire to vape. I tried to vape, and that that just didn't work for me. Okay. I don't so, vape. Vapes, yeah. yeah. It just didn't do it for me. Okay. Yeah. That, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. I I feel like that. That's you know that's a that's something that definitely you know people experience. Yeah. Um. Is that the the vape doesn't really do it doesn't pack as much of a punch. No, it does. It it's just something made, that's different. It just made me sick to my stomach too half the time. Yeah. Um, and so, I think that's such an interesting concept. And so the idea that comes to my mind is this thing that uh, I I've referenced it on the podcast before. But have you heard the story about the the botanists and the tree experiment with the wind? No. Okay. So I want to make sure. It, okay. Like I say before everything, this is just what I know of it, and I could have been a lot better of a host and had this prepared um, and everything. But well, so, you know, we've we've kind of skipped and hopped and tangent. Oh yeah, we've done we've gone all over the place. And so um, there's a study done. I don't know if this is a story or a study with these botanists, and they were trying to study what is the perfect condition for growth of this specific type of tree. Okay. Okay. So they created a biome. Mm-hmm. A biodome, basically, and biodome, dude. they went into a, they went into every single detail: humidity, temperature, water, how much water, where on the plant was receiving the water, was mm-hmm. it raining, was it just from ground soil, bacteria in the ground soil. They, they, every single thing that you can think of, they wanted to just perfect. Yeah, and they had this enclosed space and all that, and these trees just grew and grew and it's just so healthy so big so awesome and they're like huge success look at this amazing experiment we proved and we we we, you know pushed the boundaries of the knowledge of this specific type of you know tree and 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 whatever Mm -hmm. right by all accounts a resounding success of an experiment yeah until they took the biodome down a breeze rolled through every single tree didn't grow roots no it did grow roots but not deep enough no what they found was that there are micro traumas that happen within the fibers of the wood itself Mm. that come from being pushed from the wind it's the same concept of as muscle building yeah Uh like when you when you work out you are you are traumatizing yeah you're you're hurting your muscles it's micro trauma yeah yeah uh-huh. it, on a on a microscopic mm-hmm. level your muscles are like hey yeah right that's why working out is painful no pain no gain that's why it's yep. a thing right yep. Yep. so with these trees the wind came in blew all these trees over and they did you know they looked at like the you know the cells and everything with the plants and, and they looked at all of it and they found out that's what it was is that the, the wind was the only thing that they didn't consider 
in that experiment for the health of these trees. And so the reason why I bring that up is because it's the analogy that I use all the time with the kids um, is that you need wind. You need the micro traumas. I'm not saying that you need childhood trauma. (laughs) I don't, it's not, which we all get anyways. Yeah. And you, you don't need, that's you know, that broken limb that kind of gets in the way. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, you can think of it like that. Absolutely. Yeah. So, like, there are mild inconveniences. There are mild frustrations. There are mm-hmm. these things. Your wind, whatever your wind is, yeah. like you need it. Yep. So why try to eliminate it? Mm-hmm. It's necessary. It's yes, required. It is. it is. It's part of the human condition and part of the human yeah. experience. And honestly, it's some of the most rewarding part of the. Uh, kind of getting away from the microphone here. It's kind of the uh, some of the most rewarding parts of the human experience are those mildly traumatic, the, the little nudges, the little windy parts. You know, it's those little irritants. That's that's kind of where you really. I was thinking about this the other day. It's like for me, when life gets too easy, I kind of start getting a little depressed and weirded out. It's mm. like you know, okay. now I don't want hard life all the time. I don't like that. But when it's just like a month of like smooth sailing, nothing's going on, like there hasn't even been a bump in the road, it's like. Something's God, up. I need something to kind of piss me off today. It's like, the, uh, <laughs> it's like the Twilight Zone episode where he dies but like doesn't realize it and he's in the lottery and he keeps winning and winning. And yeah. at first it's amazing and then it becomes, he realizes he's not actually in heaven, he's in hell because there is no losing. There's nothing to juxtapose the good. And so Yin and yang, suffering. it's Taoism, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. If I were to subscribe to any sort of religious quote unquote structure it would sure. be Taoism for me really yeah I would yeah. think so it That's makes cool. the, it makes the most sense for me yeah that was shamanism um, for me yeah 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 and everybody has everybody I know has something that they can latch on to for for that you know and yeah. everybody I know likes to have a little bit of drama in life mm-hmm some people like to have a little too much drama in life, but <laughs> well, and those people are wildly sad. Mm-hmm. And of course, like we said, people need to feel sad sometimes. No, that's a good thing. That's a way good thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's, and it's, it's a human experience. Yeah. We're doing. Uh, a lot of times with, with coaching, you get, you get kids who get performance anxiety, mm-hmm. you know, you know, five minutes to start racers, you know, yeah. and like, they're doing their strides and they're jumping around and they're just, you know, ready to go. Uh-huh. Um, and I've worked with many athletes that have been debilitated by nerves. Yeah. Basket cases, mm-hmm. puking before the, before the race. And yeah. they can't, they lose sleep the night before because they're just so, you know, they're distraught. Mm-hmm. I mean, my dad, you can ask my dad about the kid who wouldn't get out of the car. Oh, really? There was a kid who showed up to a, to a cross country race and it, we were gone. We were somewhere else. I think we were at, I can't remember where we were, but the athlete's mom called my dad and said, Hey, uh, can you talk to her? So my dad was just on speakerphone, had to like coach this kid out of the car car. (laughs) to get. (laughs) And the thing that I always tell my athletes, and I would say this for, it's not just for runners. It's not just for basketball players or just athletes. It's for performers. Yeah. Um, or anybody who, who has done anything in the realm of like being in front of other people, mm-hmm. right? 
um, and showcasing some sort of skill or, or thing like giving a talk in church or, you know, presenting your academic study in grad school or whatever yeah. it is, defending your dissertation. Um, if you're nervous, yeah, that's so great because mm-hmm. thank you. Like anytime they say, coach, I'm real nervous. And I say, Oh, thank you for telling me that you care. Mm-hmm. Why else would the nerves be there? Yeah. The nerves are there because you give a fuck. Hence the reason where it's not good to have too much apathy. Yes. So healthy apathy. That's healthy apathy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's yeah. when, where do you apply it? Yep. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, this was just a few weeks ago. Uh, there was one of my athletes, she's a freshman. Um, and it was her, uh, it was her second college race ever mm-hmm. against some pretty gnarly teams. Yeah and some pretty skilled runners and she's talented and she's good and she has a great attitude and she's a wonderful athlete. And you could tell that she was just frazzing out, right? It doesn't take, uh, you know, someone who has a degree in psychology to understand that she was nervous (laughs) basically. Uh And I go up to her and I kind of give her a look like, are you okay? Are you you all right? And she's just like, she's just trying to shake it off, you know, (laughs) and just do it. She's managing. Yeah. And I said, Oh, you're, you're nervous. And I had this big smile on my face. You're nervous? Oh my God, <laughs> you're nervous? And she's like, yeah. And like super confused. Like why is, wrong with why is coach like so stoked that I'm like scared out of my fucking face right now? Uh-huh. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so I, I said that. I was like, thank you so much for telling me that you care. Man, that's so, dude, I'm so glad you care, man. I mm-hmm. just really leaned into how enthusiastic I was yeah. that she was giving a shit about yeah. the sport. And I was just like, holy cow, you know? And I, I was just over the moon and on purpose. Like, was I truly feeling that way? Absolutely. But for her in that moment, I wanted to show her that I was just amped that she was nervous. Yeah. Right. And so she goes out and has one of the best races. It's her first time running at that distance. Right. And she rocked it. She did great. Uh-huh. Uh, she didn't win or anything like that, but like she did really, really good for her performance. And yeah. afterwards I went up to her and I was like, Hey, so how'd it go? And she's like, I don't know what you did, but thanks. <laughs> and I was like, all right, good coaching moment. Awesome. You know, a little, little feather in my cap a little bit. Uh-huh. Yeah, for sure. So like that flip. Uh-huh. That, th- so you're talking about so, like the, the positivity and yeah. like encouragement. Okay, you're yeah. going to be talking, keep mm-hmm. trying. But yep. you had to flip it. I had to flip it. She was feeling nervous, negative, negative, negative. And I had to flip it and yeah. be like, oh, dude, that's exciting that you're it's nervous. It's all good. Yeah, it means yeah. you care. Yeah. So, okay, so that that... <laughs> so the whole you're nervous that means you care yeah. right that that clicked on a memory of mine so i've never so okay i'll just say the memory that that's clicking mm-hmm. i'm sitting in church this is when i was still in the polygamous group mm-hmm. okay so i was fifth i was 15 okay yes i was 15 i'd passed sacrament that day so oh, you passed sacrament today. Cool. Uh, that day I, I had passed the sacrament, so I was kind of sitting with, with the other priests, you know. Yeah. For that, and so I was fourteen or fifteen. I don't remember something like that. It was just it, it wasn't long before I'd left the group, right? So it was maybe a year before I'd left the group. So I was already questioning kind of everything, but I'm sitting there in church, <clears throat> as per standard pluggy church thing. They don't have a, a standard set. They just randomly call people out of the audience to to give a talk yeah at least that's what they did down here in utah so i'm sitting there and the guy conducting was one of my priesthood teachers that day 
and he's up there and, and he's conducting meeting and he calls on one guy and then he's sitting there and he's looking and I see him look over at me and he's like, Jared, why don't you come on up and talk to us? So he, so he called me up to just randomly talk in church.